Grace, peace, and mercy to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text is that from, just read from Matthew 5, 1 through 16, on the Beatitudes. We might call this sermon, Salt, Light, Good Works, Oh My, or Doorways to Understanding Our Calling to be Salt and Light. Doorways. We all have gone through a doorway at some point in our life, probably many times if you're like me, and gotten through into the other side and said, why am I in here? Why am I in the pantry? Why am I in this person's office? Why am I standing in the garage? I wanted something, I don't know what it was. Or I wanted to say something to this person, I have no idea what it was. So you go on with a conversation, or you turn around and you go back to where you were, and, oh, that's right. Now that I'm here, I remember. And so you go back and get what you needed, or you go back and tell this person what you wanted to tell them. Research has verified this phenomenon, and it suggests there's some reset that takes place in our mind when we pass through a door. Sometimes we might pass through several doors and really be lost, but it's like hitting a clear button on a calculator, preparing the brain for some new input. So we might be best to have maybe a revolving door we would go in and out of and get back. Well, in the Beatitudes um, that are the beginning of of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus shows us a door that we need to pass through to understand our place in God's plan where we are salt, light, and do good works. It is easy for us to hear what he says and pass through the door and then forget who we are and what we are to be doing on the other side of that narrow door. We may start to do works for our own glory, and others may feel as though we fail miserably at doing any good works and fail to be good enough for God. We get that feeling ourselves, where we just seems we can't do enough for God. So salt, light, and good works, oh my. The Reader's Digest version of the last verses of this text from Matthew, verses 13 through 16, might read, you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world, so that people may see your good works and give praise to your Father who is in heaven. This is a seemingly tall order for sinners, but it is one Christ himself gave, so we must be able to do it. It must be possible. But how? What makes us salt and light? For that, we look to the passages of our text that came before this to build this door we pass through. First, a quick look at the preceding events as Jesus begins his ministry. He's called Simon, Andrew, James, and John, four of the apostles, yet all of them perfectly normal men. He was traveling in Galilee, proclaiming the kingdom of God being near and healing diseases and afflictions among the people as they came from all around following him. He then goes up on a mountain, and people followed him. Jesus, God-made man, goes up onto a mountain, and the people follow him. Something was vastly different here from the smoke, fire, and earthquakes that heralded God's presence in the past for their forefathers, as on Mount Sinai. 
Jesus came not with a show of great power and might, but with compassion and mercy and with healing. And then he opened his mouth. God came down from heaven and spoke to them. God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, came down and spoke to them. In the Beatitudes, Jesus told them not how to act or feel about themselves or emotions they should seek to have, though that is how many perceive this text. He told them who they were, their status before God, before Jesus himself as he spoke. And as they heard his words, they came to understand and confess their true condition before God. And many of them were changed. The poor in spirit had no spiritual standing before God. They're bankrupt spiritually and mourning and now blessed and made heirs of a heavenly kingdom. This is the condition of all mankind since the fall. There's no spiritual resources with which to approach God. In Matthew 11, 2 through 5, Jesus sent word to John the Baptist about people just like when he, or just like this, when he asked if Jesus was the one that was promised. And Jesus said, go tell John what you, what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus' ministry was received by the blind, the lame, deaf, lepers, and the dead. These are objective conditions, not feelings. It is not that we feel spiritually poor, but we are spiritually poor without Christ. These are those that Jesus is speaking to. They have no spiritual power or credit within themselves that allows them to call on God. But Jesus brings a new spiritual reality as spoken of in Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, where Jesus himself is recorded in Luke as speaking these words in the synagogue at Nazareth when he proclaims the coming of the day of the Lord has been fulfilled in their hearing him speak, and they did not believe. In this new spiritual reality, we mourn with the knowledge of all that is wrong within us and in the world as a result of sin, yet we are comforted as we cry out to our Lord just as those who cried out for healing, but ours is an eternal healing. We are meek or lowly, yet we inherit the earth with Christ as brothers and sisters. It is a morning that, wakes us, that makes us want to cry, come quickly, Lord Jesus, even while we have present blessings and joy. There's a tension between the two. Paul spoke of this tension concerning his own coming death and departure from this life into the presence of Christ that it was a wonderful thing that he could go to be with Christ, but it was also good that he was there with the people around him, teaching them. The thirsting for righteousness is the result of realizing one's lost condition and inability to be close to God. Thirsting for the righteousness that comes from faith in Christ allows us to be in fellowship with God and for us to have a heart that is made clean by God through Christ. It's that sacrifice of Christ, His blood, that washes us clean. 
For the Old Testament Jews, it was, fa- it was feasts and sacrifices that allowed their sins to be atoned for, for, forgiven. For us, like those that sat before Christ, it was His very presence, the mouth of God before them, declaring them righteous and just before God because of their faith in Him. He was announcing a change of status for them. They were blessed, even in suffering, due to faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Suffering is part of this life, even as we live in the joy of Christ and His gift of righteousness. Good standing and forgiveness before God, we mourn as we see the sinful corruption of the world and our own sinful actions. We are not perfect while we are in this life. Even so, we are, one, we are the ones that God sends to proclaim the good news, the gospel of Christ. He has been merciful to us, and we are called and empowered to be merciful to others in return. We are the peacemakers that declare that there is peace with God, peace in fellowship with His presence. This was the peace that the disciples greeted a home with when they entered a new town, and if they were greeted with the same peace, they stayed there. If not, they let that peace return to them and moved on. Peace be with you and also with you. It is a greeting used in some churches, but it tends to turn into, good morning, Bart. How are you, Amy? Versus greeting one another with the affirmation that there is peace of Christ in our fellowship we share. We share that same peace when we come to the Lord's table side by side, and Scripture tells us we should be at peace with one another as we share that. Husband and wife, child and parent, all of us, one to another. Salt, light, and works. Oh my. As we live our lives and strive to be salt and light, sharing this peace that has come into our lives through faith in Christ, it brings suffering because it will be be rejected by some. Even as we try simply to live a life based on Christian values and on the commandments of God, there are those that do not want it, can't understand it, and see no need for it. Not all of us will catch the full brunt of the hatred, the reviling, persecution, and evil spewed out by those opposed to the peace and salvation Christ gives. We all see it in a public level, and we mourn and take comfort in Christ promise that we are His, but we can turn off the TV, close the app on our phone, and block out a certain amount of the backlash. In effect, we can ignore it, but when it becomes personal, we are still called to be salt and light and to let our work shine so they give glory to our Father in heaven. It is difficult. We don't always do it perfectly, maybe not even at all. We lose track of why we entered through the door into the room. It might be out of fear of rejection, fear of persecution, even fear of physical harm or of some cost in this life. The result is we may see failure in our works and see ourselves as just not good enough for God and His promise. We will not always be an exemplary spouse, worker, friend, or man on the street. The exact opposite, though, can also be true, and we may see our works as wonderful gaining for us a rich reward in heaven that we earn for ourselves. But both of these are traps of the devil. It is then we have to go back to the door, that teaching of Jesus that tells us our condition, our sinful condition, and where our true help and blessing comes from. 
we confess it, mourn over it, and are blessed by God as we come with nothing to offer except faith in Christ and what He has done. Just as the sick and afflicted came to Him knowing what He could do as He walked through Galilee. It is there in our poorness of spirit, our mourning, and our meekness that we hunger and thirst for Christ and for His righteousness and what He has done for us. We're reminded we are His brothers and sisters, heirs of a heavenly kingdom. We are changed and given life, and even as we die in this life, we remain salt and light like a city shining on a hill, calling others to faith in Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may this peace which passes all understanding keep your hearts in faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.